life in the fast lane. We're living life in the fast lane. Living life in the fast lane. Go and lose your brain, brain. Hey, what is up, guys? This is Justice Grohausen, aka Toast, here with the Toasty Takes podcast, where we improve your mind one slice at a time, where we focus on motivation, inspiration, and mindfulness. Coming at you guys with an in-depth episode today with a very special guest, my sister Sadie Grohausen. Sadie, how's it going today? Good. Sadie Grohausen, also known as Sadie Tuista. <laughs> yeah. So my sister Sadie is married to a foreigner. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, currently working on his green card, so yes. he'll be a citizen very soon. Yes. Um, just wanted to get Sadie on. She had a few things she wanted to talk about. And yeah, so this is just another in-depth episode, guys. Kind of just whatever happens, happens. We kind of go with the flow. If you listen to the last one with Chloe and the previous other two with Chase and Daniel, we kind of just talk about a lot of things and then kind of speak what's on our mind. And we'll go from there. But yeah, so for those of you guys that don't know, uh, my sister Sadie is, you're what, 23 now? 23, I'll be 24 in September. 24 in September. Uh, the only one in our family that is married. Yeah. Uh, happily for <laughs> two years now. Yeah, it'll be three this coming September. Three years in September. And she has a lot of life experience <laughs> that she'd like to come on and share today. Yeah. So I'm just curious, number one, and I'm sure everyone who listens might be curious too, How'd you meet this foreign guy? <laughs> so I actually met him when uh, I was in school in Green Bay. He also was in Green Bay. Um, we had a mutual friend, but we didn't know each other. Uh, my best friend convinced me to go to our mutual friend's birthday party. And I met him there and instantly was like, yeah. This, this looks like a guy that I'd like to know. So started talking from then on and hung out when I came back to school. And I guess the rest is history. Yeah, it's kind of kind of cliche or funny when you talk like that. Because as someone who hasn't fully experienced <laughs> love yet, I'd say, um, it sounds like you kind of right from the get-go, you knew you like kind of like this guy. Yeah. Well, it, just it's felt it's something weird or what? No, it's it's funny because I I had no idea who he was. He showed up to my friend's house. We had a big group of friends there. He showed up a few hours after I had gotten there with my friend and another one of uh our buddies there is like, "Oh, we our friend Mods is coming. He uh is leaving right from work and he's going to drive up here and hang out with us this weekend. I was like, oh, who's that? And my friend's like, he's foreign. He's got tattoos. He's got an accent. <laughs> you're going to love him. I was like, oh my gosh. But yeah, I mean, I've never really, I mean, I've had a few friends that are from different countries, but I've never really had an experience like really getting to know one on a different level than like friendship. Um, so yeah, I definitely, after we started dating for a few months, I was like, yeah, I could definitely see myself spending my life with this guy. So, yeah. I think it's kind of funny how that happens in life and that usually works out like that. Mm -hmm. Like, 
like I said, I have not experienced that yet. Hopefully, I'm lucky to experience it enough. Um, lucky enough to experience it one day. But I just wanted to bring it up because I have had a few people actually reach out to me and say, hey, you should like talk about like relationships or this or that on I your guess podcast. I'm the, I'm the perfect person and, for it. And I'm like, well... We could, I mean, but I've not, when it comes to the relationship game, I'm not very well versed or knowledgeable in that, (laughs) but I figured, oh, why not ask the question with someone who's married on the show? Well, sometimes you have to kiss a few toads before you find your Prince Charming, (laughs) is what I was told, but... (laughs) Well, yeah, so I mean, it's pretty cool how that kind of happened, and would you say it, so I know a lot of people today in the world we live in, especially you know, our age and younger, uh, they really like to try and force or like look for things. And I'm still a firm believer in, um, how do I put this? It kind of just happens, comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, that's, that's definitely what happened with me. Um, it was after my freshman year of college. So I had gone through the bouts of talking to different guys or like having a boyfriend and like, Things just ended, whatever. I mean, it led me to where I am right now. But at that point, when I met him, I was like, you know, I don't not really like looking for a relationship. I just wanted to enjoy my summer. I was starting a new job that summer. So that's really what I was worried about. But, you know, sometimes unexpected things happen and they turn out for, for the best. So this is definitely one of those situations for me, at least. Yeah, and... I'd really, so guys, I'm going to have mods on the podcast someday. Yes. Um, That'll be an episode (laughs) that you guys will not want to miss. Uh, He's a really cool dude. Great man. Good for my sister. But um, like I said, I just think it's really funny how stuff like that just happens out of the blue when you're not even looking for it. Mm -hmm. You don't even expect it. And just good things come out of that. So I think that's pretty cool because, you know, a lot of people in life go through life looking for things or like chasing things when it's okay to chase things, but some things you just got to let happen. You Would you agree with that? Yeah, you can't force everything. I mean, I've tried to like, I don't want to say force relationships because that sounds really bad, but you know, sometimes you can tell when things are like one-sided and it's just time to, you know, kind of walk away. But really, truly, when you do find someone that, you connect with on that level it's nothing ever feels forced like the pieces just fall into place like you don't have to force anything with them and that's thankfully that's what i have (laughs) (laughs) well and then yes like what you're saying is it's something totally different it just feels totally different than other relationships you Mm -hmm. had before that yeah and you're kind of like like whoa like this is different like would you like say it's like that or like did it feel drastically different from the get-go or um i well we started hanging out as like friends there was never like trying to force any kind of relationship stuff right away which i think really helped and also what i think really helped is that i mean he's only like three years older than me but he is the oldest guy that i like ever dated um, so that was different. It, it was funny because my friends were telling me, they're like, Sadie, you don't need a boy. You need a man. And I found <laughs> a man. And it's, I guess, really the maturity too is finding someone who's mature enough and not 
that they know what they want, you know what you want, and you're not going to just dance around everything. So, and it's funny that you bring that up because I've been listening to a few podcasts lately where this guy or this dude has been talking about women don't want like boys, mm-hmm. like women want men. Mm-hmm. Um, moms want like if you're a mom, you want a little boy to take care of, right? Mm-hmm. But like if you're a woman, you're looking for a man, like someone who can provide and protect and like yeah like women can provide too Mm -hmm. but like there's like in my opinion there's a sense of security that Mm -hmm. comes with the man who has his shit together yeah i would say like it makes you feel more confident like you you don't have to take care of him because then it's like a burden on yourself would that make like does that sound about right coming from a woman's point of view yeah i mean when i met him he had he was had two Two years of school left. He had his own apartment. He had a job. He had his own car. Like, I didn't really have to be his mom in the relationship, which I feel like I see some people and I'm like, it should be a team dynamic. It shouldn't be one person favoring more than the other. Like, some days you you might have that some days where, you know, I... I tell Mods, I'm like, I can only give you like 30% today. And he's like, okay, well, I'll carry the extra 70 or whatever it is. But finding someone that, you know, knows what they want to do in their life, has a plan, that's that's a huge, a huge thing too. Oh, yeah. And like looking at men today, (laughs) I mean, even (laughs) compare, like this is something like I like to talk about. And maybe we can get your thoughts on it too. But I think that men today have been watered down to be those like codependent people because a lot of people say masculinity is bad or like being a man is bad. Or, like you have to be nice. Like there, there's a difference between being a nice guy and like a good man. Mm-hmm. Like I heard that the other day on a podcast I listened to. I was like, wow, like. That's like, that makes sense. Like a good man's respected and like mm-hmm. he does all those things and like he can turn on like the, what's the word I want to use? I don't want to say anger. Like he can turn on the intensity if he needs it, but he mm-hmm. doesn't use it unless he has to. Mm-hmm. And like nice guys are like passive aggressive. They're doing this or that. They're always searching. They're always begging for attention. Like, and that's why they always say like, if like, if you get called like a nice guy by a girl, like I I'd take that as like a not good thing. You need to turn yourself into a good man. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of me thinks that's because a lot of people, at least in society these days, talk like they sh- like shame men for being men, I mm-hmm. guess. Like there's no such thing as toxic masculine. Have you heard that? Yes. Especially going to maybe, so say they went to Green Bay, UW Green Bay guys and left, right, whatever it is. I'm sure you heard a lot growing up living in a bigger city about toxic masculinity and stuff and in my opinion there's toxicity and there's masculinity there's no toxic like they're different put three put three spaces in between you're either toxic yep and just because you're a man doesn't mean you're toxic Mm -hmm. so you're either toxic or you're masculine because Mm -hmm. a masculine man does not act act toxic in Mm -hmm. my opinion but i just want to like bring that up and see if you had any thoughts or shares or anything you'd care to comment on that well i think part of the reason that 
that Mods and I mesh together so well is that he came from a completely different background than me and, I mean, a different country, obviously, but um, just growing up very differently and I feel that a lot of the people that I was attracted to, um, I had very similar, almost too similar of like interests and like family style and you know, growing up around kind of like the same area, the same demographic kind of thing. So it was really interesting to like learn about how he was so different than me and how I always just wanted to like know more. And he was the same way with me. Like that's really how our relationship started is I just was asking him so many questions. I'm like, I'm sure you get bombarded with these kind of questions all the time. And like, saying, oh, can you say this for me in Norwegian? And which I definitely did. But um, it was, I mean, I'm still learning like new things about him all the time. I mean, I don't know if that sounds kind of bad, but no. I'm always learning new stuff about him. He's learning new stuff about me. And I think that really helps your relationship grow when you can learn from each other and not just know everything and there's nothing else for you to talk about or do so i i heard something on another show i listened to once um it's the ed Milet show but he talked about if you're like in a longer term relationship or marriage and like you're feeling like maybe i don't know stagnant maybe or like stale mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like instead of like staying in and watching a movie and eating dinner he said go out and do something new that like maybe your partner or you have never done before and he said, you'll to- see like a totally different side of them mm-hmm. because it's like something they've never done before. So you get to see how they work in that situation or like when they're like stressed or exposed to something new, like they're mm-hmm. not good at, like that's something. And cause then he said, it's also something you can do like to learn and grow together. Mm-hmm. So like, I just think about that. Like you just said, you're always learning new things. Mm-hmm. I think if you can go out and try new things and do them together, yeah, I think... I think that's a good way to maybe grow more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I said, guys, I'm not a relationship guru. This is just stuff I've heard, but <laughs> give it a try. Maybe it'll work. Maybe yeah. it won't. I don't know. Don't shoot me if it doesn't work, though. Again, don't don't force it either. Like, like we said earlier, it's just... I mean, every relationship is different. Every person's different. I mean, relationships aren't a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. So... Just find what you're comfortable with, with someone that you're comfortable with. And if it gets to the point where it feels like it's being too forced or you're going out of your way to do things that you really wouldn't do out of a normal kind of relationship for the other person, especially if they're not going to do something like that for you, then maybe it's time to sit down and think about, you know, am I wasting my time when I could be, you know... Finding myself or finding somebody else, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, One thing I like to think of, too, and no, this is not because I'm single. (laughs) I do think there isn't enough value placed on people actually discovering who they are by themselves first. Mm -hmm. Like, I know there's a lot of people out there that feel the need to be with someone. Like, they're that codependent. They can't do anything on their own. They can't be alone. They can't do this or that. Mm -hmm. And, like... Like I said, I'm not perfect by any means, but like the last year or two, like being by myself, um, especially not even like relationship wise, especially kind of like, I'd say like friendship wise, almost like 
being here in Ladysmith, don't have a lot of friends, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I like kind of like keeping to myself. Whereas like maybe you, like I know being in Green Bay, you wish you had a little more friends sometimes. Yeah, I wish I was a little closer to everyone you too. Know, but... So like I think people are different, but like I've learned so much about myself, even just like in the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think that people should not undervalue that. Like you can learn a lot about yourself. You don't have to be with someone to learn how you are as a person, how you handle things, how how much you can push yourself, like stuff like that. I think once you become personally excellent or push yourself uh, by yourself first, then I think that shows like, or you kind of figure out when you're ready for to bring someone else into the fold. But if you can't do it by yourself first, like how are you supposed to do it with yeah. another person next to you? Because yeah. I think it makes it twice as hard then because you got someone else that might be depending on you as well. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I think I, one of the biggest things that I've been like working on and thinking about recently is learning to praise myself more and not looking for other people to praise me. Which, I mean, yeah, it's great to have somebody call you out and say, hey, like you did great or you're awesome or whatever. Learning to accept that yourself first, that, you know what, I am doing awesome. I had a good day today. Uh, learning to accept that with yourself first, I feel like is huge. Because then you go and stop looking for praise, praise in empty places. And then, like, frankly, empty people who, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, good job, but they might not really mean it fully. So working on understanding that for yourself first, I think, is a huge step. Oh, yeah. And like you said, you just said like, ah, I had a good day today. Like, I'm convinced that you can have a good day every day because Mm -hmm. you choose whether or not you had a bad day or a good day. Mm -hmm. I mean, so like a lot of people and I've this has happened to me before, like you might have like 10, 15 bad minutes in the morning and like let it ruin the rest of your day. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's like that's one percent. So fit 14 minutes is 1% of your day and you're going to let 1% ruin the other 99%. Yeah. So like you get to choose whether or not you had a good day or a bad day. Mm-hmm. Like I'll share my, <laughs> uh, last, you know, I was telling you about like my, so I'm having sewer issues <laughs> and I, I have to just have said plumbing, plumbing, sewer, whatever <laughs> it is. I have to have a portion of the pipe outside underneath the ground replaced and it costs an exorbitant amount of money, mm-hmm. like money that I do not have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to lie, that really pissed me off and I was very frustrated, but I could let it be a good, so it definitely could have been a bad day. Yeah. It was not information I wanted to hear or find out, but um, it was also a good day though because A, I still have a house. Yeah. B, I'm still alive. <laughs> I still have somewhere to piss, although I can't flush oh, it every justice. day. <laughs> TMI. Go but outside. I mean, I mean, yeah, I have a, I have a nice big backyard with <laughs> yeah. lots of trees if yeah. I ever have to go uh, number one outside. There you go. But um, <laughs> so like there's a lot of good things, even though there was something bad that happened, obviously. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of good things still that happen and a lot of good things I have and got to pick your battles. Yeah. And like I said, the money thing's tough, but I'll find a way because I always find a way and I am learning to be mentally tough and figuring stuff out on my own. And if that means having to come up with that much extra money, that means it. But I mean, mm-hmm. 
I could sit here and feel sorry for myself, but at the end of the day, no one's going to come save me and say, oh, here's, here's $15,000 to (laughs) fix your yard. Here you go. And that's just not nine times out of a, or I'll say 99 times out of a hundred. That's not how the world works. So I could just sit here and piss and moan, but at the end of the day, it's going to have to be paid. So I got to figure out how to do it. But I mean, not letting it drag you all the way down. No. And but yeah, so I think that's a very important lesson to uh, to bring up. Mm-hmm. But anyways, for those of you guys that don't know, and this is something I wanted to talk about on the show today, because as you guys do know, we talk about um, a lot of sports and stuff on here, about how, how to be the best version of yourself as an athlete, a student, as a person. Um, Sadie uh, actually was a state qualifier, was it your junior or senior year? I think it was my sophomore year. Sophomore year. Okay. So Sadie was a state <laughs> qualifier for high school track throwing discus her sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, it's hard to make it to state in anything in high school, let alone an individual sport because it's, I mean, individual and team sports are both super hard. I think team sports sometimes are a little tougher mm-hmm. just because you can't, when it's an individual sport, you only rely on the work you've done. So, yep. you know, if you don't you make it... You can't blame anyone yep, else. If you don't make it, it's on you. That's all. And, I mean, vice versa, that might be a little tougher, too, because you do know, hey, it's all on me. Mm-hmm. You can't really count on anyone else. But, I digress. She made it to state her sophomore year, and I kind of just want to ask you a few questions about kind of how that went and how it felt and if you have any advice to high school kids or athletes and what it actually takes to make it to state. So sophomore year, you were throwing discus. Uh, you threw discus in middle school, right? Yeah, and mom was pissed at me. She didn't want me to throw. <laughs> um, so, would, so you'd say you started to figure out you liked it and you were kind of good at it in middle school? Yeah, I mean, uh, you start doing track in middle school, so... Uh, I remember the first practice we got there and the high schoolers were already practicing at this point. And for us sixth graders or any other new middle schoolers who were just joining that year, we just kind of went around and saw what all the high schoolers were doing or like even the eighth graders that were there, see what they were doing. And they explained each event a little bit and like what it entails and I mean, most kids just wanted to run or do, like, long jump or pole vault. Everyone wanted to do pole vault. Could not get me up on a pole vault. That's horrible. (laughs) Or hurdles. Hurdles, too. But I walked over to the the disc circle at the back of the field there, and there really wasn't many people there. But uh, Mr. Todd Rail was there teaching some or helping some... uh, of his track athletes, and I just sat and watched. I'm like, wow, that looks pretty cool, spinning around in a circle and throwing a metal plate into the air. How hard could that be? (laughs) But, yeah, so I decided to do that, and really, truly was something that I just fell in love with, something that I figured out that, you know, I'm actually pretty good at this. Um, But I had to keep working at it. had to learn the different styles of throwing. You have to learn different arm placements, different feet placements, speed, release, grip, like so many different things. But once I got into high school, I was uh, sure I was going to continue doing track. And then my sophomore year is when I started doing dual sports, which was something that I'm really grateful for because it was fun to be able to continue playing softball and track because I also really enjoy softball. 
Um, but it was difficult because the different rules that we had for what meets you can go to or what softball games you can go to. And then obviously you have practices and stuff. I'd have to split my practices. Um, so a lot of like working on my own sometimes, which was fine. It's, it's an individual event, but it was always fun to work with the other throwers. Um, but a lot of times going to the softball field or to the, the disc circle on the weekends after games, after track meets, after softball, going and just putting in extra time by myself, which I really think helped me grow a lot too, because again, like I was just depending on myself. Um, I did have my family come and help a lot too. They would shag for me or toss me softballs, but yeah, it's kind of a little background on that. Okay. So do you remember, so let's talk about your sophomore year specifically. Okay. Because that's the year you made it state. Mm-hmm. What would you say the difference between your sophomore year and then maybe your junior and senior year would be? Because your sophomore year, you made it state, and then mm-hmm. your other two, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Was there anything different you maybe did your sophomore year that helped you be more prepared? Or what do you think that was? Well, that year was um, the last year that I had my throwing coach with me, um, who was a big motivator for me. And I mean, even the the coach we had come in next was still really awesome, tried his best, worked with all of us really well. But I, I mean, people also get better. I mean, you have your seniors that leave at the end of every year and you have your new freshmen coming in and, you know, having new throwers that I haven't seen before, going to farther meets at bigger schools. Like, I mean, we were D3 for track or yeah, division three, mm-hmm. which is the lowest yep. division. Um, we didn't have very many kids, but we all always worked really hard at those big meets, even though it was pretty intimidating sometimes. But I, I still think I improved as a thrower because, you know, I was throwing farther. I was winning more meets. I was, um, getting better in my, uh, what's the word for it? Like how I was, how I was throwing. Your preparation yeah. or like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Your so, technique. Yeah, my technique. There we go. Yeah. Um, but I mean, sometimes, I mean, having a bad mental day too sometimes really throws you off. Um, but I'm not saying that I wasn't successful because I didn't go to state those mm-hmm. other two years, but I still broke records every year. I still won meets every year. And I think I was proud of myself, which was like going to state in itself, you know, being proud of yourself and what you're doing and what you've accomplished, how far you've come kind of thing. Well, yeah, not many people get to say that they went to state in a sport anyways in high school. Mm -hmm. So like, even if it's one out of four years, like that's still really impressive. One of my, yeah, one of my favorite memories. It was awesome because Chase was there too. We had a few other friends that Mm -hmm. were, that made it from our team, so it was really, it was a cool experience. I mean, yeah, I didn't like place on the podium or anything, but it was still cool to see my name on the screen there and all those other throwers. It was, it was awesome. So the moment in sectionals where you found out that you had made it to state, how did you feel? I was so happy. I think the first thing I did is, uh, no, my throwing coach is the one who told me, he's like, you won. And I was just so happy 
gave me a big hug. Mom was there because, gosh, I remember it was in Shawamigan and it was raining. It rained the whole meet and discus throwers. I mean, you can stand and throw, but I rotated when I threw mm -hmm. and they have these special throwing shoes that you wear. So the bottom is like a hard plastic and there's no grip on it. It's just flat, help you spin better. And people were just slipping and flying all over the place. They had a leaf blower trying to dry it off in between throwers, but it was a difficult meet. And I think winning it and making it to state made it a little more sweeter too, because I braid the elements and and pushed through and persevered through all of that because I'd say about 50% was how crappy the weather was, but the other 50% is was believing that I could throw in that crappy weather and still win. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's a, so that's one of the really cool things about track. And I'll kind of relate, you can talk about like track and then either softball or baseball kind of fall into this. I mean, so if you're throwing, or I mean, I guess we could take any field event in mm -hmm. track. You only need one good, you just, all you need is yep. one good jump, one good throw. Um, baseball, all you need is one good swing. Softball, all you need is one mm -hmm. good swing. And like, you can be down 0-2, you can have two strikes. You could have had three or two or three horrible throws before your last throw. And still, the only, all it takes is one good throw. Yep. So that's why I think it's very important to be mentally tough. And like, be able to, like you said, like talk to yourself and be positive to yourself. It's just mm -hmm. like, okay, cool, like. No one cares that I sucked my first two throws except me. So, like, I'm just going to go out and all I need is one good throw. Yep. You know, like, that's that's kind of how, like, people should attack those sports, in my opinion. It's like, mm -hmm. all you need is one good pitch. All you need is one good throw, especially in track because, like I said, you only get three. It's like, I just yeah, need one. So, yeah, you get three in the, um, in, like, your preliminary mm -hmm. whatever. And then if you, they take the top, like, eight uh, throws for finals and then you get three more throws and finals and then I mean even if you had a farther throw in your preliminary one Doesn't if I matter. threw if I threw 120 feet in my first throw in the preliminary and I threw 80 feet in finals I I mean it's one good throw that's all you need mm -hmm. so all you need is one good throw mm-hmm cool well yeah well I, that's pretty cool to talk about just because like I said not many people get to go to state and I'm not really sure a lot of athletes, at least in our area, I would say, and that's a little of a hot take, but mm -hmm. I don't care. <laughs> I don't think a lot of athletes, because I mean, I didn't know in high school what it took to actually make it yeah. to state in something. Um, it takes a lot of hours. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of times telling people no, mm -hmm. because you have to go, you want to go do this and whatever not, but you can't because you're going to go throw, you're going to go practice this, you're going to get a workout in. Mm -hmm. And... Some people might view that as stupid, but I just view it as setting yourself up for success later in life because yeah. I think that those traits and qualities pass on over. Like you learn them at, when you learn how to do that at that age and set yourself up for success in the future. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be you're gonna be pretty unstoppable when you're grown up yeah. if you stick to those traits and stick to those ideals and stuff that you have like that. Yeah. But yeah. So anyways. We graduate from Flambeau. Yeah. <laughs> what did, did you, so did you know you always wanted to go to Green Bay or what was your kind of, what was your plan there? Um, I had wanted to go for uh, communication, which is what I did. I was one of the very few freshmen that came in and knew exactly what they wanted to do. Um, but 
yeah, I was applying to schools. I had a family friend who had went to Green Bay for the exact thing I wanted to do and came highly recommended. I mean, I applied and got accepted to different schools. Who was schools. that? Uh, Ryan Stewart. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. yep. He'd be a good guy to have on the podcast. Someday. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to hit him up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got accepted and I thought about my options. I almost went to Stevens Point. Mm-hmm. Thought about going there. Um, but yeah, I went to Green Bay. Just seemed like a good fit for me. I went and toured it a few times. I loved the campus, even though it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere by itself, <laughs> which was fine. And the biggest thing that sold me was the bathrooms in your dorm room. <laughs> I they could were not, nice. yeah, I could not imagine imagine it any other way. And even like their apartments that they have on campus, mm-hmm. which I lived in my sophomore year, really nice, full kitchen, everything. But, but yeah, that's kind of what uh, sold me. Um, but I also just really liked the, the culture and Green Bay is such a historical town, and there's. Tons of stuff to do. You're on the lake there. So that's kind of why I decided to go there. Well, if you wouldn't have went to Green Bay, you wouldn't have met Mott. That That's just you true. You wouldn't, wouldn't have met Moody Poo. Moods. Moods. Everything happens for a reason. I, Within to some extent, I feel. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I get that. Um, but anyways, so you went and you studied uh, communications, yep. correct? Yep. Communications. Um, before we get into that and kind of what that all entailed, I want to talk about the, uh, college volleyball. Okay. Okay. So Sadie had, so I don't know exactly how you got into that. Do you want to explain that a little bit for people? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one of my good friends, uh, from college, Ray, shout out to Ray. He's the one who got me the job. Uh, he worked as a manager for the women's basketball team. And he would always come into class wearing all this cool Green Bay basketball stuff. And I'm like, where are you getting this stuff? And he's like, well, I'm a manager for the team. And I was like, oh, wow, that's like really cool. I'd I'd like to do something like that. And he said, well, the volleyball team's hiring someone. Maybe you should send an email and apply. And I was like, sure. So then I went and did that. And a few days later, I went and met with uh, Coach Corey and Coach Dell and sat and just talked about, you know, who I was, where I came from, what I'm doing in college kind of thing, my experience with sports and all that, and they offered me the job right there, and I took it. That was at the end of my freshman year, and then that August came around when I had to report back to campus because that's when volleyball started, uh, about a month before school started. Lived on campus and started doing my job there. So your job was what you were just a manager or like a- Yeah, well, I have to this this took me a while to realize, but when people would ask me, like, what do you do? I'm, I would always say, Well, I'm just a manager. But mm-hmm. I realize now, like, I was not just a manager. Like I had a little more value than that. But mm-hmm. that was my official title. Um it started out with just Doing laundry, filling up water, filling up the cooler, shagging balls, running you did the all scoreboard. The bitch work. Yes, I did. I did all the bitch work. But what? How do I want to word this? In doing all of like the work around not playing, which mm-hmm. really sucked because I really wanted. 
I, I did play. I played club in my freshman and sophomore year, mm-hmm. which was fun. It was a great experience. Uh, but I also was like, God, I wish I could just go out there and play with them because, like, everyone was so good. Mm-hmm. And Well, they're Division One for volleyball, too. Yes. So. Um, but going out and learning so much more than just volleyball stuff, like standing on the sideline and listening to coaches talk to the players and all the different activities that we did because I was – I wasn't just like a manager to them. Like I was included as part of the team, mm-hmm. even though I never wore a Jersey or stood out on the court. Like I was a part of that team and did a lot of cool stuff and had a lot of cool experiences and just learned more about the sport and about athletics in general, especially like college athletics, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love the world of college athletics. Yes. So no, yeah, it's really cool. Because, like, not many people get to be a part of a Division One program in any capacity. Mm-hmm. So that um, I kind of just want to go into, like, what are a few of the things, like, you learned, I guess. So hmm, how do I want to word this? How was, like, how was the culture, like, there around the volleyball team? Like, it's a Division One team. Like, I could explain the culture of my Division Three football team, but I feel like the bigger schools just always maybe do it a little bit different. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot more on the line, whether it's scholarships, whether yeah. it's this or that, whether it's playing time, uh, whether it's a spot on the team. Mm-hmm. So what kind of stuff did you pick up or what kind of stuff did you see when you were part of the part of the volleyball team at Green Bay? Yeah, so our team culture is something that, that they focus on a lot. Um, so that year that I started there was Coach Abby's second year. She had just, she actually coached at Point. Yep, I remember um, watching her yep. my first few years there. Amazing coach, great woman, so inspirational. She's awesome. But she really, uh, one of the main focuses that we had, we, well, we had a few, but some of those were our mental health and mental toughness was mm-hmm. a huge thing. Um, being strong women leaders, which was another Mm -hmm. huge thing. Um, and just like being really good friends and like a family with everyone. Um, I mean, some of these, some people, like I was thinking when I first started, I was like, man, like I, these people would never talk to me if I passed them in the hallway or, they don't seem like, yeah, I'm like, they don't seem like they would be friends at all kind of thing, but no, everybody, it was a super tight knit group between the coaches and the players and the coaching staff was also a huge part of it. So definitely we did a lot of stuff with, uh, mental health and mental toughness. Like we would do, uh, I remember we, we did a ropes course, like the Mm -hmm. second week I was there and like, I still didn't really know anyone yet. That was very, yeah, you had to be, like, physically tough to do it, but you also had, it was mostly, like, that mental toughness, Mm -hmm. which translates over to the court. Um, Yeah, we did a lot of fun activities. We would do, like, weekly, uh, it was called Kaizen, uh, which was, like, a, a meeting we would do with our strength and conditioning coach talking about mental toughness. We'd watch, like, different video clips and listen to different podcasts and stuff. And just sit down and talk about it and how you can apply what you learned onto the court and in your life in general. I, that's very awesome to hear because it's 
really cool to get a sneak peek inside a Division One program, and a successful one. I mean, they were never really horrible at volleyball. No, they won the they won the Horizon League championship my freshman year. That was mm-hmm. that was Abby's first year. Um, they made it back my sophomore year. Like they've they've always been a really mm-hmm. good successful group. Yeah, well, and I just think it's really cool to share because, at least in my experience with coaching or being around high school programs, that mental side is very lacked, like not pushed enough, mm-hmm. I feel like. Especially if you're, I feel like if you're looking at a lot of the teams in the state or in our division, division, whatever, for whatever sport we're in, mm-hmm. um, the ones that are the most successful, I feel like do things like that. So they're mentally tough. They're a tight-knit group. They don't just focus on becoming better physically, but they focus on becoming better mentally. Like, And like you said, like all the team-building stuff. Yeah. Like if that's good enough for a Division One program in mm-hmm. college, I think it's something that should be important enough to try and get into your high school program if you want to be successful. Yeah, I mean, like I've played sports my whole life. I was on different teams and all that throughout high school it was a complete 180 when I got to college because most of these athletes are just like doing one sport and I mean it's it's different for colleges I feel especially what division you have um because you can do a lot more stuff if you have a lot more funding Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so going out and getting to do all these cool excursions and stuff was awesome um, whereas other schools might not be able to do that kind of thing, but still there's, there's stuff that we did that didn't require any money or any travel, different team building stuff you could do. Like mm-hmm. one of my favorites, we played blind dodgeball with volleyballs and one person wore a, a blindfold and the other person had to, um, navigate them around the court and they had to throw the ball at people's huge communication drill that we Mm -hmm. did like we always had so many fun kind of drills and and things that we did to uh build that team chemistry well i just look back at too like at my time in high school sports and you can look back on yours as well like that mental piece was not talked about at all no like at all and i think it's starting to become like a bigger bigger movement Mm -hmm. in sports in general these days because it's getting so hard to compete because the physical part of athletes is becoming better and better every single year yeah and it's like okay how can I catch up because if we're the same physically okay cool what's going to separate us it's who has the better ability to handle losing to handle failure to Mm -hmm. make to be mentally tough um but I just look back and that was never once maybe once or twice it was talked about yeah. But, like, for the most part, it wasn't part of being a high school athlete. It was just, you need to be in the best shape possible. You need to be big and strong and fast, and that's all it takes. And win. And win. Yep. But we're starting to find out that, cool, you can hit a baseball. Cool, you can throw a disc 120 feet. If you step in the circle, you step in the batter's box, you step to the free throw line, and your mind isn't right, Yeah. you're not going to be able to do it. Nope. So... I think that's really cool that a big program like that focuses on that a lot. And I mean, granted, they're Division One college. They can focus on it more. But I think if it's not being at least talked about or incorporated a little bit in high school sports, I don't think your team's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But also, like, so going back, like, us as athletes, like, I wish I had coaches that would have talked about that. Well, and one of the other things that kind of, like, feeds into it is that, yeah, you're preparing and training these girls to be strong on the court, strong mentally, Mm -hmm. but another thing that we really focused on was, like, preparing you for life after college, like, making you strong women or individuals off the court and carrying that over into your life because you're not, it, it kind of is like the same as, as high school. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to graduate high school. You're going to graduate college. And not a lot of kids yeah. are going to go on to play yeah. college. Sports. Uh, I mean, a few do, but most of them don't. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the teachings and things that we did on the team really helped build up everyone to prepare them for life after college mm-hmm. and in the real world. Yeah. So, like, if you're a young person listening to this, or, I mean, old, I don't care, whatever. Age demographics, whatever. But if you're if you're a young high school, middle school, college athlete listening to this, it might be really easy just to say, yeah, I don't care, whatever. Like, please, 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 like hearing from two former athletes, set yourself up for success now because it only gets harder to learn the older you get. Yep. If you can learn these skills or at least attempt these skills at a younger age, it's only going to set you up for success uh, later down the line in life, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I agree. So, yeah. So, um, what was your favorite part about the college volleyball experience? I think my favorite part was being on the sideline on the floor of games and whenever we would win big games and everyone just like rush out onto the floor it was just such a cool feeling I mean yeah I wasn't the one playing but I still was involved which was really cool um so yeah I definitely say like just the big celebration and one of the things that we would do after every game um at least for home games because I didn't go to many away games but for home games, whenever we would win, we'd all run back into the locker room and instantly turn on the song Elastic by Joey Perp and I just hate that jam out. Every, we'd have a big, huge circle. Everybody would take their turn going into the middle of the circle and doing a little dance move and just, you know, really enjoying that win, Did you no matter hit, how big or small it was. move in the middle of the circle? No. I mo- uh, I mostly recorded for social media purposes. Okay, okay, we'll give you. A <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it was, it was. That's that's also a really good memory. Well, that's really cool too because, talking about like people, or you could just say young people because we're both mm-hmm. young people. We were in college once. I think young people just feel the need or want to belong to something. Yeah. And like you explaining that experience, like rushing on the court, like yeah, you didn't play or like. You didn't have, like, the game-winning kill or whatever, mm-hmm. but you still felt like you were part of it. Mm-hmm. All those... Did, were students out on the court? No. No? The no. students never rushed the court? No. Oh, that'd be so cool. Well, no, but we had some good, like, student sections and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Our arena is pretty big, and okay. they would have to jump down pretty far to get on no, the yeah. floor. No, so, yeah. Like, but, like, you see it, like, all the time. So, like, in, let's, let's take college football or basketball, for example. Like, if a team upsets, like, the number one team and, like, the fans rush down. I remember going to your guys' game against St. Norville. Yeah, I was that just going to bring that went up. went so long. So, <laughs> those people didn't play at all, and they're so part of this, like, stadium of 80, 
80,000 people, but like these students still feel like they're part of something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. So like Sadie was referencing a game we played in college uh, against St. Norbert's where we went to like triple overtime. Yeah, that was crazy. And we made the game winning extra point to win. And I just remember like the feeling of excitement that came over. And I just remember everyone, just everyone sprinting down to the end zone mm-hmm. to basically dogpile our kicker who had made the extra point. <laughs> um, his name was Hayden, Hayden Nider. He's going to be on the podcast too here really oh. soon. Good guy. But um, I, yeah, I could just remember rushing the field with my team and like I didn't play at all. I didn't contribute to the game at all, but I just felt like this immense... Uh, feeling of pride and joy come over me and yeah. like there was fans coming down on the field and, like there's just nothing that like there's nothing that beats that yeah and so like if there's something I want to share with like younger kids if you're not an athlete or if you're not playing a certain sport or not in that season like go watch and support your friends support your peers because like it's really cool like when they win because you feel like you kind of win too mm-hmm. like if you support them like, I think a lot of young people these days want to see people, like, lose or fail or, like, mm-hmm. no, like, support your friends. And when they win, like, promote that. Like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Support that. And like, even if they lose, still support them. Yeah. Like, be there for them. Like, support people through their wins and their losses. But, like, when people win, don't get jealous. Like. Because they're doing better than yeah. you. Yeah. When, when someone's winning or doing better than you, like, support them. Mm-hmm. Like, be there for them. Like, cheer them on. Like, it, it takes zero energy and effort be to cheer in, someone on. Be in their corner. Yeah. So, like, I think that's really cool to kind of, like, think about and talk about. Because I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of people these days who just want only... If it's not good for them, they don't they yeah. don't want it to happen. Yeah. Well, that doesn't help me any... That doesn't help me at all. So, so why would I cheer for you? Okay? Like, oh, I went 0 for 3 and you went 4 for 4. Well, I'm not gonna be happy for you because I sucked. That's not cool. That's 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 don't ass be a backwards. Debbie Downer. It's ass backwards thinking. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think we see a lot today in sports because so many people are focused on the outcome. Yeah. Or how they do, or their stats, or how they do individually that, instead of yeah, or like the we lost. I so and so had a good game, but we lost. Okay, cool. We still lost, but you can't say, hey, you played really well today. I, I could have picked up the slack or something. I don't Yeah. Like, supporting people and cheering people on, especially when you're part of a team, because those are, I, I think those are what the best teams do. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, going back to volleyball, I'm sure your team did that, because mm-hmm. I, I think that's the difference between winning and losing teams. Like, a winning team has however many people there, and they're there for each other and together. And then a losing team is a bunch of individuals who just care about whatever they they want to do or whatever yeah. they want to chase. Mm-hmm. So, you have any input on that? Yeah, well, I mean, the whole team aspect, I mean, yeah, you're a team on the floor. You wear the same jersey. You play for the same school. But really having that relationship off the court or off the field, too, can totally immensely help you as a unit. I mean, we were never told to, like, oh, you guys have to, like, hang out with each other after school or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, we always just wanted to hang out with each other. Like, we were, oh, what are you doing this weekend? We're going to go to the farmer's market, come with. Like, having that relationship off the court, that's going to translate to how cohesive you play on the court, too. I mean, 
when you're really good friends with someone, you trust them, like trusting in your team and trusting in yourself, um, really helps shape up your team Mm -hmm. too. So, well, I was part of teams that were in high school that were super talented. Like we had a lot of good athletes, but we just were, we were not good. We didn't win games. We couldn't compete. It's because we were full of teams that were individual, Mm -hmm. like, like, I'll admit it now, like, I don't talk to anyone that I went to high school with. I talk to probably two or three people. Okay, so, like, I don't, we don't, we barely talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's, that's partly by choice, just because a lot of the people I went to high school with weren't super nice. But, yeah. I mean, whatever, who cares at this point? I don't care at this point. But, like, it just makes me think back and imagine, like, wow, like, what if we actually would have cared for one another and actually played for one another, would things be different now? Yeah. Like, would we still have those, like, lifelong relationships? One, like, of, the, one of the things that I remember that sticks out to me from playing high school basketball is play for the name on the front of your jersey and not the name on your back. Like, playing for your team. I've, I, I always... I don't think I ever really struggled with this. I always wanted to do well for my team. I mean, I, n- I never scored a lot of points or had a lot of rebounds or steals or whatever, but I was always cheering super hard. I was supporting my teammates. You know, I just wanted, like, our team to do well. I didn't really care about how I did at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It was more for, like, how did my team do? Well, and that's really important to, like, remember, too, is, like, in high school we think that whatever we have or whoever we're friends with will last forever because oh we're friends now no that's like not (laughs) the case like unless you actively being around high school kids and teaching high school kids there's definitely a skewed view of what friendship is oh i can relate justice i taught middle schoolers (laughs) i know what you talk about now i understand but um i just I'm really, th- truly, thoroughly convinced that kids do not know what friends are these days. No. Kids are just... They're kids, so mean to each other. Kids think that friends are just people you hang around with at school. Yeah. That is not, like, to me, so this is just my personal opinion or definition of a friend. A friend is someone I can trust. Mm-hmm. A friend is someone who is going to cheer for me or be in my corner no matter what. Mm-hmm. A friend is someone that's going to kick me in the ass if I need a kick in the ass and hold me accountable. Right. Okay, they're not going to lie to me, so mm-hmm. they're truthful. That's four things. Um, a friend to me is not going to put me down every single day. Yeah. Like, I get joking and having fun and, like... I get that, but after a while, that wears on people. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's not what a real friend does. Like, a real friend's able to see that. Mm -hmm. Okay? So those are all things that I think are very important that I... I really think if you told kids in high school those five things and asked if they had any people in their life that did all five of those things, I'd be very hard-pressed for any of them to give you at least two names. Yeah. At least two names. That they could truthfully and, like... 100% say, yeah, these people do all five of those things for me. I mean, I maybe have two or three people that I could say, Mm -hmm. other than family. But like outside of family, I might have two, three, four people I could say actually do that for me. And I'm okay with that because I like keeping my circle small. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's very valuable to let people in that don't do those things. Yeah. Because it only hurts you. But like 
Quality, so, uh, not yeah. quantity. Imagine if, as an high school athlete, you did all five of those things for your teammates. Mm-hmm. Not, nowhere in there... No, nowhere in there did I say you have to like them. Nowhere in there did I say you have to be all buddy-buddy with them. Mm-hmm. Got to respect them. Got to hold them accountable. Don't lie. Be in their corner when they need it. That's part of being a good team. Like, and imagine, yeah. like, if we had... If we had teams like that when I was in high school, we probably would have done a lot better than one, two, three wins a year. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but. I don't mean to laugh. No, it's okay. I just remember that. It it's was okay. Tough. It was it was rough. <laughs> yeah. Because like cool, yeah, I was I was a I'll admit it, I was a good athlete in high school. Mm-hmm. I got I had all the stats, I did all this and that, but I didn't freaking care. We weren't winning games. Yeah. And it was annoying because no one cared as much as I did. And that really like beats down on you. So like if you're one of those if you're one of those athletes who gets the stats or like does this and that and you're not seeing the wins, like be a better leader. Yeah. Be the best version of you. Like I could have been a better leader in high school. Like I didn't I do it. I, I didn't do too. you know, like we all look back, coulda yeah. shoulda, coulda woulda. Yeah. But like looking back and like that's why I think it's so important to share this mm-hmm. with people. Because you learn from other people's mistakes, like other people, it's like if you don't have to go through what other people went through because they told you, well, hey, this didn't work for me, you should try it this way. Yeah. And you don't do that, well, then you're just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I look back and just like, once, well, I mean, I never got in trouble, I didn't do anything stupid, like I was a good athlete, a good student, like, but I didn't do anything to promote that with my other teammates. Yeah. So in the end, that was kind of selfish of me because I just, like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. So, but what did I do to get my team better? Right. So, I don't know. That's stuff that really fires me up. I can tell. (laughs) Well, and I think coaching, too, it really opens your eyes to what kids are dealing with and going through these days. Mm -hmm. Like, and the lack, I'll tell you, the lack of mental toughness is just horrendous. Well, because everybody expects to get everything handed to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there's... And there's well, I mean, a d- there's... Okay, I mean, like... I mean, there there is a difference between, like, you know, having, like, a mental, like... A mental health issue or, yeah. you know, dealing with that kind of stuff. But I also feel like part of it is because, like, people just expect to get everything without doing nothing. Yeah. We live, which like, is, instant gratification. <laughs> yeah. And it's really tough because... You know, you'll get kids who miss a free throw or miss a throw or strike out and they, they're they done for the rest mm-hmm. of the game. They, they check can... out. So, like, what are you going to do later on in life when something worse than a strikeout happens? Yeah. Are you going to sit there and piss your pants? Maybe. Sit there and pout? Like, you they got to learn. You know, so that's why I'm saying, like, it's very important to, like, learn these things when you're in high school, learn these things when you're in college, so mm-hmm. when you're an adult... You know you're how to handle the, it. Yeah. You're better, not the person that depends on someone to do everything for you. Mm-hmm. Can't call mom. Mom's not going to be there for you. Nope. Well, unless your parents are rich, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> then they might help yeah. you a little more. But um, that's beside the point. But anyways, yeah, that rant is over yeah. a little bit. Rant over. I know there's one more thing you kind of want to talk about, and I think it's really important to talk about too, like the mental health kind of stuff. Did you uh-huh. have anything you wanted to share on that? We could kind of guide a direction that way. Well, I think um, 
I mean, everybody struggles with their own different types of issues or whatever. Um, but I think definitely just being nice to yourself, I think is half the battle. Um, I mean, like you just said earlier, some kids, they strike out or whatever, and they check out for the rest of the day. Um, you know, not checking yourself out when something happens like that. Um, so just being nice to yourself, you know, ask for help if you need help. I mean, I don't know. That's kind of what I, I was talking about, like, the cool mental health stuff that we did in volleyball. Oh. Yeah. Like, okay. how big, how big of, uh, how important it was. Because it, it is very important in any, any, uh, athletic area as well as your personal life. So, that's, sorry, that's kind of what I meant about that. No, that's okay. <laughs> well, I've been going through something like that too, like, so like the last, today's day number six, Doing like 75 hard. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is? I do. Okay. Um, but there's been a few times the last few days where I did not want to do stuff, but I did it anyways. Good. And my sister, our, or our sister Zoe, was teasing me at one of the baseball games saying, I'm going to buy all the food you like that you can't eat, and I'm going to eat it in front of you. That's mean. And I, and I told heck? her, I just told her, I just kept saying, oh, I'm a mental fortress. Yeah. I'm a mental fortress. And like... I really think if you tell yourself something like over and over again and Repetition. again and again, you become it. Like it's mm-hmm. don't fake it till you make it, fake it till you become it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's for, like you said, talking to yourself, being nice to yourself, mm-hmm. but not giving into your inner bitch voice. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> There's a bitch voice and a boss voice, Andy Frisella says. Wow. And the boss voice is very weak. The bitch voice is very strong. Get that gotta, bitch out of here. You gotta say, fuck you, bitch voice. I'm out of here. Get out of here. Yeah, I know I'm not supposed to swear, but I'm gonna swear anyways. I don't care. Well, you did put an explicit warning on yours and Chase's. So. I did. I did. <laughs> but anyways, we've one. been talking for this last hour, and I totally forgot to ask all the questions that I asked the guests big on three. This, The big three. So, I was wondering when we were gonna get to that. Well, we'll, we'll give you one right okay. now. Okay. Right. So the first one, and... I know it's a little bit at the end of the show. I like to tie them in, but... Okay. The first one is, what do you know now that you wish you knew then? So you could go to either a week ago, a year ago, high school, middle school. What's something you know now that you wish you knew when you were younger? One thing that I know now that I wish I knew when I was younger is I I spent so much time like trying to please other people instead of pleasing myself like being happy with where I'm at and you know uh, that also kind of ties into like what we talked about in the the beginning of the podcast was like relationships and stuff is like not trying to force things to happen because that's that's how I was when I was you know 16 to 19 years old I was trying to force force things that I wanted to happen to happen even though Obviously, they weren't going to. So I think just, um, I mean, I'm a believer that everything happens for a reason, within reason, like you said earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, But just, you know, God has a plan for everyone and just working my way through life one day at a time. I respect that. Yeah. (laughs) Some days, that's all you can do is one day at a time. Yeah. Like... 
and I'll relate. And like, so I think we all as humans have a tendency to relate back to our past experiences or um, situations that we've been in. Mm-hmm. Like there's some days where you just gotta, just gotta get through. Yeah. And you know what? If you, if you made your bed and that's the only good thing you did in the day, well, that's a win then. Yeah. And you know, you go to bed and it's a new day the next day. Like you Mm -hmm. re, I say like you recommit to yourself the next day per se. Yeah. So. Sorry, that wasn't a very philosophical answer like some people on here give. That's okay. (laughs) The next one. So the next one is probably the most important one that I like to ask. It's like, what's your relationship with failure? Okay. So failing. So basically, um, there's two things that I believe and a lot of other people believe um, hold people back in life. And it's the fear of failure and the fear of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put in a book plug here. It's called The Twin Thieves by Steve, uh, Steve Jones. Um, he was a coach at Kimberly for Kimberly High School football. Oh, that's like... 20 minutes away from me. Yep. Um, he was like 113 and 7. Holy cow. They won like five or six state championships in a row. Like really, really stand-up football coach, but even better person. Mm-hmm. But they talk about in this book, The Twin Thieves, how it's the fear of judgment and the fear of failure that hold people, that hold athletes back from doing their best. Mm-hmm. So what is your relationship um basically with failing like do you have one i i definitely think my relationship has changed since i have finished playing sports um i was definitely really hard on myself when i was younger wanting to be the best i could be i mean everybody wants to be the best that they can be but i felt like i was really hard on myself sometimes um and now like i look back and i accept that you know i failed and that's okay like it's okay. I didn't go make it to state the two years after I made it my first year. Like, it's okay that we didn't win the championship basketball game or the softball game or whatever. Um, but I definitely feel like my relationship has changed from more athletic based things to more life based things. Like, like one of the things I'm working on now is I've I keep applying to so many freaking <laughs> jobs. I apply and I apply and I apply and they either ghost me or say, sorry, this is, this position's been filled. I feel like I'm failing because I'm not finding a job, but I understand that I'm working at it and, you know, that's, I guess that's the closest thing I could relate to. No, the that's most okay. failure that I have well, right now, what, at that's, least. That's but. what we mean is like, so the fear of uh, being judged or the fear of failing. So like, I don't think I have a fear of being judged Yeah, anymore. so like the applying for jobs thing, like if you were afraid to fail, let's say you were afraid to get denied or mm-hmm. not get an interview, like if you let that fear of that happening stop you from applying, that's what I'm kind of getting Oh, at. yeah, no. I yeah. I apply. Keep you know, going. You gotta, just got to keep pushing. Yeah, it's always like me when I was down at the baseball conference in March, I think it was March or February. Like I went around and asked coaches for input mm-hmm. for my podcast. I had a few tell me no, but like if I wouldn't have asked all those people, I wouldn't have had the three that came on and mm-hmm. talked for me. Yeah. So like instead of that being scared of being told no, I just went out and did it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be very big on like fear of being judged. Yeah, me so too. Like, 
being judged, you know, for how I look or singing or like doing whatever, Mm -hmm. like very, very concerned with how people viewed me. Mm -hmm. And within the last, I'd say two years, I've very, I've kind of gotten away from that a lot. Part of that think is just because I keep my circle so small that I don't care yeah. Who outside the circle, what uh, anyone outside the circle says, because yeah, I know their the, opinion doesn't matter. That's that's what I was going to say, is that I, I'm really not afraid to be judged because I know who, like, my real friends are, and mm-hmm. they're not going, like, they're not going to say, sorry, Sadie, I can't talk to you anymore if I, if they judged something that I did. But, I mean, unless it was within reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Well, there's um, something very freeing when... Yeah, I can just you can just be yourself you, around people. Yep. You like let you go don't have to worry about how you look or how you sound, even though I'm probably gonna worry about how I sound on this podcast. It's okay. <laughs> you always when you listen to yourself, you always think you sound worse, but yeah. when other people listen, they don't notice. But yeah, I think that's like I don't really have a fear of judgment anymore. Yeah. Well, this is one of those things too that I like to bring up because I think it helps high school kids. Because or younger people, because when we were at that age, oh yeah, I was so worried worried about about what everyone thought of me. And just think about like how much, how much more successful and how much happier you could be as a high school or middle school student if you just let go of being scared of what someone might think about you, or if you just let go of like the idea of striking out or missing your free throw or um, fumbling the football, like Mm -hmm. or having a bad throw in the circle, like. Just if, once you let go of that, you feel so much free and like it's, it's easier. It's easier to do stuff. Mm-hmm. It's easier to be more successful. You're relaxed. You're yes. not tense. So, I really like asking that question. That's a good question. It is. It makes and then, you think. Well, and there's a lot of people too that I'm gonna have on. I think I have really good answers for that question as well. Good. I like. Like Are you I said, saying my answer wasn't good? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying like it's kidding. very cool to hear other people's responses because everyone's different yep um but then the last one i like to ask is when you leave the earth someday what would it look like what would a successful life look like for you and i like asking this question just because i like to hear people's ideas or thoughts it kind of lets me know what kind of person they are a little bit at mm-hmm. least for me um so i'm sure you've listened to the show i always share mine first just give you a second right, to yeah. think give me an because idea because it's a because it's a hard it's a deep it, question as we hear the truck go by yep. <laughs> it's a deep question it's a hard question but i think ultimately i like sharing it because it allows me to view or necessarily um, kind of feel what people what people think their purpose is in mm-hmm. life so my idea of a successful life is having a really big funeral when i die okay and like, oh, there's a lot of people there. So mm-hmm. I guess it's not like a big funeral, but like, like with all the pizzazz and that yeah. and stuff. But like, I want there to be a lot of people there. And for my funeral, I'm going to let, it's going to be my request. I'm going to let whoever wants to talk, talk. Okay. So it nice. doesn't matter if there's one person, if there's a hundred people. Yeah. I want everyone who wants to talk to be able to talk or share something because it's my life goal or purpose to impact as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I'll know, like, if I'm looking down, like, okay, yeah, I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. So that's my question to you. How do you know or what would look like a successful life to you? Like, you did what you were supposed to do. Well, first, I am going to 
put in my will that I'm going to make a, a cahoot and whoever gets the best <laughs> score gets whatever's on my will. No. Oh, God. Um, I'm coming for that. I'm winning it. Uh, no, I think definitely just having all the people that meant something to me and that, like, more importantly, like, I meant something to them come if they're not mm-hmm. dead before me, I guess. Um, and I don't want it to be, like, yeah, funerals are really sad. You die, like... You know, everyone's sad. Well, hopefully everyone's sad. I don't know. But um, I I don't want it to be such like a somber, mm-hmm. sad event. I'd love for it to be like people call it like a celebration of life kind of thing. Something like that. I mean, yeah, there's a time to be sad, but I want people to remember me for how I was, how I impacted them. Hopefully it was in a positive way. Um, yeah, having my friends and family and my loved ones there and I'm gonna just say just dying without any regrets in life yeah I guess. that's a big one don't die with regrets mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things i guarantee you guys if like you go and find any old person or older person <laughs> and you ask them what they regret most in life it's probably going to be things that they wish they would have tried or would have did and they mm-hmm. didn't do yeah so like that's why it's like don't be scared to do stuff like go out and try it if you fail you fail but at least you can say hey i tried it i'm not yeah. i don't have to go to my deathbed knowing wishing that, that I, you could have done yeah, it could have done that i could have done better i mm-hmm. could have done this could have done that but i was gonna say if i die before you i'll be damned if you don't play fast lane at my funeral oh no i'm gonna play your girl is mine yes you gotta break out lower those songs. lower me into the ground when big g's verse comes yes on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man so yeah no well, that's a, that's a that's a decent answer I'd say it's oh, it's a tough <laughs> it's a tough one to ask because it really makes people think mm-hmm. because it's just like well what do I want to be remembered by or sometimes people are like well I don't know I'm like, be remembered as the crazy cat lady <laughs> who married the man from Norway yeah I mean it's okay. I'm okay with that <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to not know but I think I think and then we'll start the wrap up show here. I think it's our responsibility as humans to figure out what our purpose is and then to pursue that purpose. Mm-hmm. I think so many people just skate by in life, just doing whatever they feel like is right. But yeah, and if I think if you don't know what your purpose is, then you need to sit down and actively try and figure it figure it out. Because if you're not working for it, working towards your purpose, then you're not doing what you were put on this earth to do. Yeah. So, and that might be that may be young. That might be tough if you're younger. Um, if you're older. But like all it takes is just sit down for 10, 15 minutes and just write down things you're passionate about, write down things you care about, and then try and go from there. But if you yeah. don't have a purpose, you don't have a path, then it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. You just wake up every day pissing and shitting and sleep going to bed and waking up again in the morning. I don't freaking know. I was I was put on this <laughs> earth to do more than to wake up, eat, piss and shit and go to bed. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. Right. So well, Sadie, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you guys listen. Listen, if you've gotten to this point, thank you. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you. I appreciate all the support. Um, don't do the I don't do the podcast for the views or the listens. I just do it to hopefully impact one person. And if it's just one person, then one person's enough for me. Yeah. But um, thanks for coming on the show. Like I said, I can't wait to have your husband on mods. 
He that'll, is going to be a hoot. Guys, that'll be a ringer. That episode might be at least two hours Probably. long. Probably. God, you guys will talk about everything under the sun. So, just just bear in mind, put it on your calendar before the end of the summer. Mods Twistad will be on yes. the Toasty Takes podcast. Yes, he will. With some Toasty Takes himself. Yes. I'm sure he has a lot of good takes, especially not being from America. So, it's very. I'll be very interested to get his point of view. But, um, yeah. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? Hada. Let's buy a Norwegian. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, guys, that's all I have for Toasty Takes today. Um, enjoy your Tuesday. Go do something positive and go be great. Living life in the fast lane. Lay, 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 lay.